Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, something new and something classic, starting with Disney Plus's latest hit for Marvel, Loki. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. The man behind Hamilton has a new movie musical out. I'll review Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights. And I rewatched one of my favorite movies from the 90s to see if it has aged gracefully or if it's now a turkey. I'll tell you which one and how it fared a little bit later on. But first, the latest MCU show on Disney Plus debuted this past Wednesday. It's Loki. Loki? You're in a lot of trouble. What do you want from me? Come on, sit down. Our timeline is in chaos. And you need the god of mischief to help. Loki is unpredictable. <laughs> I know what I am. Good. Bad. Bit of both. Original series streaming Wednesday, June 9th, only on Disney+. Tom Hiddleston reprises his role as the god of mischief. He was killed off in Thor Ragnarok, but we saw him again in Avengers Endgame during the time heist. It was the 2012 version of Loki. He stole the Tesseract and vanished into thin air. And the show, Loki, picks up with him right after that. He messed up the timeline, and now he has to help Owen Wilson fix it. Wilson plays a guy named Mobius. He's an agent of the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, the group in charge of making sure time travel shenanigans don't screw up the sacred timeline, which I guess is the one true timeline. There's an awful lot of exposition in the opening episode because there has to be. This whole new organization, which is very, very bureaucratic, adds a whole new dimension to the MCU with multiverses and all of that. And of course, when you introduce time travel to anything, you must lay out the rules as they pertain to the Enterprise in question. The time travel rules here are basically the same as Back to the Future Part 2. When someone goes back in time and alters something, a new timeline can branch off from that, and if it affects too many things, it'll cause irreparable damage to our reality, or something like that. Wilson and company are tasked with making sure that doesn't happen, literally pruning the branches off new unwanted timelines. It sounds confusing because... It is confusing, but I think the show does a terrific job of making it make enough sense to follow along and not have your head explode. I've also seen the second episode. I won't say anything about that except to say that the story really sort of kicks off after all the laying of the groundwork in episode one. And the second episode also mercifully continues to explain some of the rules as it goes along. Basically, whatever you need to know, the show lets you know. You don't need to memorize everything. And that's good because then I could relax a bit and enjoy, you know, just how much fun the show is is right out of the gate. The big draw, I think, is the chemistry between Loki and Mobius, and of course, both Hiddleston and Wilson are well-suited for this buddy cop kind of dynamic. It's it's more fun already in that way than Falcon and the Winter Soldier ever was, I think. And of course, the fun with Loki is never knowing if he's being serious or if he's up to something. Uh, we don't get a lot from the rest of the cast in the opening episode. It's hard to tell who will be vital throughout the series. I did really like uh, Eugene Cordero's clerk character, Casey, who didn't know what a fish was. He's funny. I hope he's in it until the end. I think Loki's off to a great start, Brett. I can't wait to see how it all plays out. What did you think of uh, episode one there? I loved it. I loved episode one. Yeah, that you got to see the first two episodes uh, thanks to Disney, and I had the opportunity to see the first two episodes, but when I filled out the form, uh, because we have to fill out this like Google Doc to and submit that, I must have screwed something up because when I hit submit, it just like reset the page so I thought, did this go through or what happened here? So uh, I ended up nothing happened. I didn't get the the screener, but that's okay. 
I enjoyed it. Now it just gives me something to look forward to next week when it comes on. But yeah, I thought this was tremendous. Um, I really enjoy Loki as a character. You know, he obviously was meant to be a villain. Like, a, I, don't, I don't know if it was ever in, in, in tension to have him be a hated villain, but he has become one of the more popular characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I think that's because of Tom Hiddleston. Like, you look at a character like Hans Gruber, for example, in Die Hard, as played by Alan Rickman, I think one of the most likable villains in the history of film. And I think that because Hiddleston has such uh, a unique energy, unique charisma, it's hard not to, like... Loki, and of course the way they they write him as well, you know, he's sort of, I mean, he's mischievous, so he's playful at times, and sometimes he's sneaky, and they've inserted some great humor into the character in the the Thor Ragnarok movie, like when Thor was talking about how Loki used to stab him, like literally stab him in the back, Um, so it was cool to see more of him, I'm glad that they came up with a way to bring him back, even though it is convoluted. And I think that's the one area where, while I enjoyed it all, and I loved Owen Wilson as this time cop, the notion that there's now this all-powerful, these all-powerful time gods, call call them whatever you want, but this is the first time we're hearing about them in the Marvel Universe. Like, it just, what are they going to add next? I know that the Marvel Comics universe is gigantic and they have endless possibilities of stories they can share. But for what started out as a guy making a suit of armor so he could fly around and shoot bad guys, it has really expanded. And it, it feels like it's bordering on the edge of getting to be out of control. That's not a complaint. I just I wonder, like, okay, um, what can they what could they bring in next that like that it isn't insane. So I don't know. I, I, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I think the, the, as you, you pointed out, the chemistry between Hiddleston and Wilson on screen was great. When I heard Owen Wilson was in it, I thought, really? Owen Wilson? Yeah. But he's good in this, man. He's great. Yeah, he's, re- he's built for it. They do a, ter- a terrific job. I don't know if they're writing it to him or if he just happens if he just, you know, picked up the script and just went with it or whatever, but he, he, he fits, he's fits like a glove. And I thought the same thing too, when I heard Owen Wilson was in, it was like, that guy does not strike me as a MCU kind of guy, but here we are. And here he is. And he's uh, gone. His hair's gone gray. I must not have seen him in anything for a few years now. I guess usually when I think of Owen Wilson, it's not his biggest role. It's a very small role, but I always think of him in meet the parents because I watch meet the parents like at least once a year, so I, that's what I always see him in. But that's twenty years old already. So, also worth pointing out that it's at ninety-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But uh, each of the first two episodes, and they're the only two episodes that have scores, are both ranked at one hundred percent. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure how that then translates to ninety-five. But oh. it is worth noting that each uh that it's the highest rated show so far of the three marvel shows one division was 91% falcon and the winter soldier was 89 i think and now loki is uh, officially at 95 that's awesome I-, I wonder did somebody just gave the show overall a bad review without even watching it maybe that happened they i don't should know. get kicked off rotten tomatoes if they're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe perhaps uh, i'll have to take a closer look the point is critics are digging loki 
So yeah. if you're looking for something different in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that brings back one of the best characters as played by one of the best actors in the MCU. Then this is a lot of fun. New episodes on Wednesdays on Disney Plus, and this is a six episode series, right? Yeah, and I'm and I wonder how it's like what 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 the plan for the end of it is, only because if they have to set things right, you sort of assume that they're going to have to put Loki back on the the path his timeline was supposed to take when he before he grabbed the Tesseract in the time heist, which ends with him dying in Ragnarok. So I don't know, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where it's like we're racing to what's going to end up being like a sad ending after we get all the more attached to Loki for them just to kill him again. Who knows? Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll figure some way around that or something like that. Oh, but that's yeah. been in the back of my head watching both episodes. You know, that's a really good point because Loki was such an instrumental character in a lot of stuff after that first Avengers movie. And if he's suddenly yeah. wiped out of that timeline, then theoretically everything changes. So indeed, they're talking about the chaos that he created by exiting that timeline. Yep, I get it now. I just sort of connected the dots. I'm like, oh yeah, he was pretty important in Thor The Dark World and he was important in Thor Ragnarok and he played a role here and he played a role there. So uh, without yep. him, we got some problems on that particular timeline. Up next, figure it out. Up next, we're going to the movies. And as it turns out, more Canadians are getting to do that now. So we'll tell you where you can see the movies and tell you about this latest one. From the guy behind Hamilton. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And from the creator of Broadway phenomenon Hamilton comes a new movie musical this weekend called In the Heights. You ready? Let's go! In the Heights is gonna blow your mind. Fiesta in the Heights! Don't touch me, I'm too hot! Show them who we are. Nobody, sigue, sigue. Y'all are freaks. <laughs> this is crazy. In the Heights, rated PG-13. In theaters and on HBO Max, June 11th. And in Canada, it's in theaters where theaters are open and available on premium video on demand. I think I saw a price tag of $25 or so for that. In the Heights is based on the play from Lin-Manuel Miranda, the man behind Hamilton. And the answer is no, this is no Hamilton. But what could be? Hamilton is widely regarded as one of the best Broadway shows of all time. And to think he would top that or even match it is almost ludicrous. That's the bad news for Miranda is... For the rest of his life, everything he does will inevitably be compared to Hamilton, and most of it will fall short. Happens all the time when an artist has a career-defining project, and I'm sure Miranda will be just fine. But the good news is, In the Heights is terrific. The reviews have been very enthusiastic. It's at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's the story of a young man in New York City, specifically the Washington Heights neighborhood, which is mostly made up of Hispanic people. His name is Uznavi, and he immigrated to New York from the Dominican Republic when he was a boy. He runs a bodega and dreams of returning to the DR to reopen his late father's old beachside bar. He's played by Anthony Ramos. I've seen him once before, I think. He played Lady Gaga's uh, waiter friend in A Star is Born. We meet others in the neighborhood, most of whom are either like Usnavi, gearing up to leave or returning or dealing with some kind of major life change. Everyone's got a dream and the neighborhood tethers them all together. So it's a movie about community. The other three main characters are Vanessa, played by Melissa Barrera. She's looking to make it as a fashion designer. 
Nina, played by singer Leslie Grace, who is just home from college, and Benny, played by Corey Hawkins, who we know from Straight Outta Compton and 24 Legacy. Benny works at the cab company on the block, which is owned by Jimmy Smits, and it was awesome to see Jimmy Smits again. He's one of those actors who just makes me smile for showing up on the screen. Should maybe look into an NYPD Blue rewatch at some point in the near future. There are some other familiar faces as well. Stephanie Beatrice, who plays Rosa on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Dasha Polanco from Orange is the New Black. Chris Jackson, who played George Washington in Hamilton. And Mark Anthony, who ironically, I guess, is one of the very, very, very few cast members who doesn't sing at all, which, of course, is weird because he's a singer. And then Lin-Manuel Miranda himself sort of has a glorified cameo as the man who sells piragua, which is like snow cones uh, up and down the block. So all their stories intersect. They're all involved in each other's lives, and they sing and they dance about it. The story is also set during this heat wave, which only raises everyone's emotions. I think it's basically sort of the same in that regard as uh, Do the Right Thing was. It's, you know, set on one block with a group of people that keep running into each other and there's a heat wave. And there's also this blackout and we know the blackout's coming because each day a graphic pops up to tell us what the temperature is and how many days to go before we hit the blackout. The other piece of story felt, uh, storytelling structure that's worth pointing out is the whole movie is being told as a flashback story, we see Yuznavi is on a beach telling the story of how he came to be there to some kids. Now, it is a musical, so what's the music like, you ask? It's a lot of that, uh, you know, rap style that Miranda did in Hamilton. But this has a Caribbean kind of flavor to it, of course, and it's fantastic. I dare you not to dance in your seat a little while you watch it. I was sort of doing the... Uh, you know, I'm 45, so I was doing like the dad shoulder dance a few times while I was watching it. It's about as uh, mobile as I get on the dance floor anymore. I find uh, that's the style of song more engaging than other musicals because, you know, they talk really fast. So you really have to be on board to catch all of it, but it helps keep you make you pay attention to it. I, I would also point out that the captions on the screener link that Warner Brothers sent us could not keep up with the lyrics. It was funny to try watching it overlapping captions on top of each other is bizarre so the music is good there's a song about the lottery that i think was my favorite uh again though you know here comes a hamilton comparison i don't think many of the songs will be as memorable as the ones from hamilton but i could be wrong i find it hard to judge musicals mostly because they're not really my favorite kind of movies and i just haven't seen a lot of them like blasphemously so i'm gonna have to watch the old west side story movie for the first time ever at some point this year before spielberg's remake of it comes out i did really enjoy this musical for the first 90 minutes but by then i was kind of exhausted from it and there was another 45 minutes ago it's way too long at two hours and 15 minutes the story was interesting but at the end i was you know just waiting for it to end I stopped really caring what was going to happen to anyone in the last half hour. And I was just thinking, you know, get on with it. Let's go. Like Seinfeld's complain about the opera. Who sings? If you got something to say, say it. But if you're watching at home, you can take an intermission if you like. If you even have a problem with the long running time, that might just be my problem. I did think it was a fun movie, though, and I found most of it rather delightful, in fact. So I will say three and a half couch cushions out of five for In the Heights, Brett. I don't think you have a problem by being upset with that running time. I think certain genres should be no longer than an hour 45 minutes. I think horror movies shouldn't be longer than an hour yep. 45, unless it's a really heavy serious horror movie but if it's just a fun scary movie shouldn't be more than 90 minutes to an hour 45 and uh, musicals as well shouldn't be more than an hour and a half to an hour 45 comedies too yeah some comedies really drag like a lot of uh, judd yeah. apatow's movies i find are just too long 
Exactly. Agreed. Okay. I should also point out as well, in terms of movie theaters, because we've been saying for recent in recent weeks that most theaters are still closed. Ninety percent are closed, but you know they've been open in Quebec since February. They reopened a couple weeks ago in Saskatchewan. They're reopening in Alberta. This they've already reopened in Alberta, BC next week. Ontario not for a little while yet. They're in phase three of Ontario's. Uh, that's going to happen in phase three of re- Ontario's reopening plan. And uh, Manitoba, we're still uh, probably at least a couple of weeks out yet here. As uh, we've said before, we're probably going to be the last jurisdiction to reopen in oh all of North America. LOL. Do I have to drive to Regina to watch a Fast and the Furious movie later this month, Brett? <laughs> and then like get out and get back right back in my car and drive back to Manitoba because I, I don't know about the quarantine rules or whatever. I don't want to spend the night in uh, Regina. You know? Coming up next, we're going back to the 90s for one of my favorite films of all time. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. I recently watched one of my favorite movies from the 90s. It has been years. I own it on DVD, but not Blu-ray, and it's not available on any streaming service, so I haven't bothered. But I was feeling a real urge to watch it over the last couple of weeks, so I finally dusted off the DVD and popped it in. And I want to talk about how stupid, and I mean stupid, this might be the dumbest movie ever made, but it is also (laughs) wonderful. I've been uh, chasing this guy ever since I joined the force. He he has no conscience and he he shows no, no remorse. He's the mastermind behind numerous bombings and political assassinations. He, uh, a felony list a mile long, murder, arson, kidnapping, terrorism, you name it. He's the most dangerous and brilliant criminal mind I've ever known. I, for years, I've, I've been watching him, tracking him, studying his every every move. I know his every, every mannerism, facial tick gesture. I know him better than he knows himself. And now, after all this time, I finally figured out a way to trap him. I will become him. Face Off, the action (laughs) classic directed by John Woo, starring John Travolta and Nicolas Cage as FBI special agent Sean Archer and terrorist and criminal extraordinaire Caster Troy. So this movie came out in 1997, in June of 1997. If you're unfamiliar, let me just tell you the basic gimmick here. Caster Troy, the bad guy. He's planted a bomb, a big one, while trying to apprehend Caster Troy. Sean Archer, Travolta, ends up putting Troy into a coma. So now the only way to get the info he needs, i.e. where is the bomb, is to speak to Caster Troy's brother, who is in a supermax prison. And the only person his brother will speak to is Caster Troy. So, what the heck? Let's just switch faces. That's right. They cut off Nicolas Cage's face. They cut off John Travolta's face. He takes Nicolas Cage's face. They also gave him some liposuction, changed his voice with a microchip, and somehow he magically heals instantly without a single scar. In the meantime, (laughs) while he's off trying to get the intel he needs, Caster Troy wakes up. So he, of course, takes Travolta's face, but somehow also... Travolta's longer, slightly longer hair, and I guess he added some 
some fat around the, the stomach through surgery. If they took it off of Sean Archer to make him look like Caster Troy, they presumably had to add it anyway. It is insane. It's so stupid. But it is amazing. And the guys at Honest Trailers really nailed this one. You know their names. You know their faces. And when the two of them switch, you know they're gonna get off. (sighs) Face off. One cop will do whatever it takes to take down the man who killed his son by cutting his rival's face off, putting that face on his own face, doing absolutely nothing to change his body, healing instantly from this massive surgery, telling no one what he did, going undercover in a prison where everyone wears magnet boots, gaining the trust of his Muppet-voiced brother. Hi, bro. Drop me a line sometime. Getting high and maybe his rival's girlfriend, all the while hoping his rival doesn't wake from a coma, put his face on his body, his wife with his face, kill his boss, and challenge him to a deadly speedboat fight, forcing him to harpoon him with a spear gun, and adopt his love child to replace the similar-looking son he killed five years ago. It all makes perfect sense if you're on a lot of cocaine. So, I... Loved this movie when it came out. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Saw it in theaters, bought it on VHS, bought it on DVD. I've probably seen it 20 times. I don't know why I don't own this on Blu-ray. It's one of those movies where I think about it every so often and go, I should find that on Blu-ray, and then I just never pull the trigger and get on it. But it's probably been a decade since I watched it, and I wondered, is this movie going to hold up? So I'm happy to say, I'm thrilled to say, even though I was slumming it on DVD, I loved it. And I was stunned today to learn that it has a 92, a 92% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Can you believe that, Jeff? That is amazing. It's a thing, though, where it's so silly, but they just lean into it. So I think critics are like, yeah, well, if... They're acknowledging how crazy this is just from the, you know, they've hired the two hammiest actors of their generation to play the lead roles. So why not everyone on board? It's crazy. It's fun, but uh, mostly it's fun. So that's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. The premise is just so ludicrous that you just accept it. What's that? You're going to laser his face off, laser my face off, put his face back on my head. Okay. Sounds good. LOL. And then the notion that Travolta as Caster Troy. So it's still Caster Troy's body just with some changes to look like Sean Archer. The fact that he's not recognized by Sean Archer's wife is ridiculous. Like, how much did they change? Did they make changes <laughs> downstairs too? You'd think Come she'd on. recognize that. Another note, the action in this is incredible. It's just got some awesome practical stunts. John Woo was a wizard with action. But the stunt doubles are so clearly doubles like Nicolas Cage has really short hair in this but his double had more of this like flowing mane on his head and I just find those little details super distracting because it was actually it was nice to watch some practical action with real people flying through the air and real explosions Uh, Travolta's character also he does this stupid thing where he gently swipes his palm down over your face do you remember that yeah, is that that feels like something Travolta brought to the character on his own because he's a 
He's always touching people at the Oscars and stuff too. Isn't yeah, he? yeah. yeah. They, they showed him touching uh, Idina Menzel's face. Yeah, uh, a couple <laughs> of years back. But uh, yeah, I guess it just ties back to the whole face theme as well. So right. Here's a drinking game. Get yourself a bottle of Bacardi 151. Take a shot every time he does it, and you'll be dead by the end of the movie because he does it eight times. Uh, jokes aside, don't do that. Bacardi 51 is <laughs> is way too potent to be playing around with. Also, it was originally written, can you believe this? It was written for Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. That's a movie I'd like to see, even though Schwarzenegger's, what, conservatively three feet taller than Sylvester Stallone, who is famously short for being an action star? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's way taller than Sylvester Stallone, so that would never work. So I'm glad it didn't end up being that, because Cage and Travolta are, for my money, at their best in this movie. They clearly had a lot of fun playing these characters. Like when Nicolas Cage, as Sean Archer, as Caster Troy, did drugs for the first time, he has an amazing reaction. Once we kidnap Super Cop, then what? Tiny surgery. I'd like to take his his face off. Matthew, excuse me, I have to use the little boy's wee-wee room. You want to take his face? Yes. His face. Oh. The eyes, nose, skin. It's coming off. The face. No more drugs for that man. Oddly enough, one of the the, <laughs> the guys in that was Nick Cassavetes, the director, the guy who directed The Notebook. So he's got right. a weird random role in this. Yeah. So if you have Face Off but haven't watched it in a while, do it. Oh, and there are a lot of slow-mo doves in this movie as well. John Woo loves doves. So many doves. And lots of guys jumping through the air while shooting their guns. And I kind of wonder if this movie was the inspiration for that line in the movie Hot Fuzz where one of the guys is asking the other, the super cop, have you ever uh, jumped through the air whilst firing your gun? <laughs> have you ever jumped through the air whilst firing both guns? Uh, there's a ton of that in this movie. So I laughed and I smiled and I just enjoyed all of the foolishness of Face Off. And that was a big month too for Nicolas Cage because he had Con Air, which debuted on June 6th, 1997. So three weeks earlier, he was in two of the biggest action movies of the 90s. That's bonkers. And of course, what, like the year before that was The Rock. So he really just, and before that, he had won the Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. And everyone's like, oh, Nicolas Cage is this uh, Oscar winning kind of actor. And then he's like, yeah, I'm just going to make three monstrous action movies right now and become an action star. Yeah, why not? I thought he and Travolta were great because Travolta was in that Broken Arrow movie as well which was also a John Woo movie, and I, I thought he was great in that too. Yep, that was a fun one. And he was, of course, you know, earlier, a couple of years before that in Pulp Fiction, which relaunched his career. So both of these guys had just these huge career surges and then just dominated action movies for like 
five years at the end of the 90s. And then Travolta made Battlefield Earth and sunk his career again for uh, years to come. So (laughs) in a moment, we want to talk about another classic that is streaming on Crave. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We just talked about how I recently rewatched the classic film from 1997, Face Off. Yes, it is a classic, an action classic starring Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. Well, I've started watching a different kind of classic inspired by a recent reunion. 5, 96, 97. See, I told you. Less than 100 steps from our place to here. You got way too much free time, man. Here's the birthday boy. Uh, Ross, check it out. Hockey tickets, Rangers, Penguins, tonight at the Garden, and we're taking you. Happy birthday, pal. We love you, man. (laughs) It's funny, my birthday was seven months ago. So? So I'm guessing you had an extra ticket and couldn't decide which one of you got to bring a date? Well, aren't we, mister? The glass is half empty. (laughs) Oh, my God. Is today the 20th, October 20th? I was hoping you wouldn't remember. What's wrong with the 20th? 11 days before Halloween, all the good costumes are gone. Today's the day Carol and I first consummated our physical relationship. And sex. <laughs> you know what, I, I better pass on the game. I think I'm just gonna go home and think about my ex-wife and her lesbian lover. The hell with hockey, let's all do that. (laughs) Ah, Friends. It has been so nice diving back into Friends. The reunion came out a couple of weeks ago, and that was super emotional and nostalgic. That was on Crave, and they've got the entire series of Friends on Crave. So I just started watching season one. I think I'm nine episodes in. Just kind of enjoying one episode here or there. It's sort of become that like comfort blanket. I'll come home, throw on an episode of Friends, and then I'll get on with uh, all the other stuff that I might want to watch. When's the last time you watched Friends all the way through, Jeff? Um, I think I must have been last fall up because it went off uh, Netflix at the end of the year, right? So I think in the few months before that. I just, people were talking about that, so it's like, I got Crave, too. I could watch it on there, but I just watched it all again in the fall. I don't know if I watch, I, some, I think I usually start on, like, season four and watch, like, the I watch, the, like, the middle seasons and then skip the early ones and some of the end ones. Really? Yeah, because the season one, I don't know if, maybe I've just seen it too many times or something like that, because I got it on DVD as a gift, like, 15 years oh, ago, yeah. so I think I've seen that one a lot, so I tend to not watch that season a whole lot, and then at the end, in the last couple of seasons, there's some bad stretches in there or whatever, there's some really good episodes there too, but yeah, uh, the middle seasons, It's used, most shows are hot in the middle, so that's usually what I watch. But I'm, I'm happy, just as Face Off has aged well, I, for me, this show has aged well too and not because of the nostalgia just getting to see these actors when they were younger and uh, a bit more spry perhaps because there's a lot of physical comedy in the show i forgot how much physical comedy there was particularly from david schwimmer he is really good at physical comedy and uh it's just been a blast going back and seeing all these episodes and i particularly enjoyed the the episode the one with the blackout because it, 
That's the one where Ross is trying to muster up the courage to ask out Rachel. And Chandler is stuck in a bank vestibule with a Victoria's Secret model. So he's just trying to muster up the strength to merely speak to a woman. (laughs) (laughs) And they both fail spectacularly. And I thought... That's like watching my life. Uh, so <laughs> it was kind of hilarious, but also painfully awkward to watch. But it's been good. It's been really good. And uh, I don't know how long it's going to take. Like you plowed through Cheers in record time when you got your Cheers box set. That was 11 seasons I watched in nine weeks. Good Lord. Man. So this is te- that was 275 episodes. I pulled it up here. Friends is 236 episodes. Because it went 10 seasons. So if you could do that in two months, oh. then we're talking. I could do it, but but I don't <laughs> want to get into this uh, sort of like I'm going to put my nose to yeah. the grindstone and plow through all these episodes. I can't. Then, I don't know what it is, but comedies, I can't watch them like back to back to back to back to back. It's like I need, I'll take one and then I need to switch it up. And it doesn't matter even if it's different comedies. I, I don't know why. I just can't do it. So we're opposite like that then because comedies sitcoms are the one thing that I still can like binge just just fine. Like I'll watch five episodes of Frasier in a row. I've 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 got Frasier on like just constantly running in my house the last few months. So that's the one I'm kind of rewatching now. So, yeah, but and I can only do that with sitcoms. I've been I'm still like working my way through Yellowstone. I started Yellowstone like three months ago. There's only 30 episodes of it and I still got I think seven more to go. But Oh wow! I um, yeah, with comedies, uh, I don't know what it is. It's not like it's not that I don't like them. I think it's just I get this nice sort of jolt of happiness from the laughter, and then I'm ready to watch uh, something that's more sad and depressing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do that because you'll get the show by Thursday afternoons. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.